1: It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com host. This
0: podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. And now, get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today, we're answering your listener questions.
0: Listen to you having the perfectly healthy voice. I'm back, baby. <laughs> it was a process, right? But I feel like we can kick things off this week with uh, 100% Joel. My voice is feeling
1: like your hair is looking... I'll tell you that. My, my, your my hair, hair is, looking fresh. It's like an extra inch tall today. You know, Matt, it's, you... It's getting a little bit longer. You use the hair gel and you just... I put you, a little... Not gel. I use the... You're looking spiffy. I
0: use hair glue. Oh. It's, okay. Literally, it's like the consistency of, uh, of Elmer's glue. You just put hot glue in your hair. <laughs> have to melt it off. (laughs) Now, this is an Ask How to Money episode. We've got some fantastic personal finance topics, questions to get to today, man. Uh, We have a question from a listener. He's wondering what the best credit card that he and his soon-to-be wife should consider for their honeymoon. Another listener is wondering whether or not they should be paying off their mortgage early. And we're going to also tackle whether or not it makes sense to buy a used car from a car rental agency. There's trade-offs
1: involved in that. Yeah, I think so.
0: Mm-hmm. but we'll get to that one plus uh, other content during this episode for sure buddy
1: before we get to that i just want to quickly mention we we always like that ah, just like something to talk about at the beginning of the show and i saw our friend jeff matt who we've met at fincon before he goes uh-huh. uh, goes by the moniker homo money and jeff's doing just great work over there man if you if you're looking for people to follow on instagram matt and i we post-static stuff but Jeff's like interacting with his audience a lot more we just don't do the socials very well and we it's kind of on purpose let's be honest yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't want to we just kind of <laughs> avoid it uh yeah I like the podcast I, lo- I like what it is we do so much more fun than so- social media would be drudgery if we got into it we've tried it before and we were just like eh, we don't care enough uh, but Jeff on the other hand does pretty good on that front and I think he actually likes it and one of the things he had this great tip that I hadn't really thought much about because it's just not the way my brain works but he was he was talking about how he has this like Patagonia jacket and Ooh, it got, got a, my got my attention. Yeah, I too. Those are exp- I'm a fan of the Patagonia. <laughs> those are expensive jackets, but you know those down jackets. Like you get a hole in the sleeve, the stuffing starts they're falling out. Not the most durable. Yeah. at times. But they're great, sure. and they're super warm, and you can pack them up pretty tight too. Yeah. And so he was talking about how you, the, there are these patches you can get. You just stick on the hole. Oh, cool. And guess what? Like they a just, sticker. Yeah, pretty much. Like literally, super oh, that's cool. easy, super easy. Oh. And so that just like massively links, lengthens the life of your jacket, and it brings down. What he said was the cost per wear, which I think is just a good way to think about your clothing yeah. in general, right? Like, I love it. And that's why you and I, I think, are, are more okay spending more money on quality items that we think we're going to wear for years and years and years. Uh, I've really changed my tune on this. I used to be all about like, oh, I'll buy that $14 pair of jeans, but... $14, no. please,
0: you're dropping like $10 <laughs> on a pair of jeans.
1: <laughs> but then I ended up finding, oh wait, they're misshapen really quickly. I don't like the way they fit, and so I didn't really wear them, and so my cost Didn't quite have wear, the
0: whiskering that you were looking for out of <laughs> your nicer jeans. Right, yeah.
1: <laughs> and and so I'm like, alright, cool. I'm willing to spend more now to, to get the thing that I'm actually... Especially like on a pair of jeans, where I'm wearing jeans I don't know, 358 days a year <laughs> or something like that. Like, I will buy the nice ones because I wear them all the time. And I like that. Yeah, the, thinking about your items and cost per wear and thinking about how to extend the life of those quality items, too. its Just smart.
0: Yeah, makes a lot of sense. I haven't checked those out. and I'll need to because the ability to just slap a sticker on it, I assume it's like some sort of high... Quality epoxy, you know, like yeah. some, something where it's, it's not coming off because the idea. It's not of, like
1: the sticker you get from the doctor's right. office. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: The idea of trying to sew. Have you ever done any sewing to, to, to try to repair? No, anything? my mom's
1: helped me out on that front before, she, like putting a button back on, yeah, something like that, that. That's what moms are, that's are right. great for. <laughs> I never learned the skill, though. We
0: haven't either. We have a sewing machine machine at home, but at some point, I think I'm going to figure it out. But I have, yeah, I have not taken on any sewing projects. Although, Instagram, speaking of social media, they've been feeding me. I don't know why I've been getting an influx of like Red Wing influencers, like Red Wing boots. Okay. And there are these guys that find like these old boots from like decades ago and they're like restoring them and re sewing them and they just show the whole process. It I love is the it. coolest thing. And it definitely kind of lends itself to what you're saying quality over. Quantity, right? Yeah. And like when you have something that is made to be repaired, it is it is something that you can revisit and
1: rewear and yeah. resole and use for generations. And it's a money saver, but it also feels good. Like I think it yeah. feels so nice to be like, you know what? This is something like, I got. It feels good from like a, a conscience standpoint. Yeah. In, yeah. In the earth, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, so it's like, yeah, it saves you money, but it also and actually literally feels better, I think, too, because that leather's all broken in. Right. You don't have to. <laughs> that's have to true. Win. Like some of my best items, it's like they're just, they get that patina on them, and that's when I like them the most. Yeah, exactly. All
0: right. Uh, we are actually going to get to questions, but first let's introduce the beer that you and I are drinking during this episode. This is a Nelson, and I'm assuming it's going to be made from Nelson hops. but we'll share our thoughts on this beer. This is a beer by
1: Piedmont Brewery, but uh, yeah, we'll share our thoughts at the end of the episode. Sure. All right, let's get on to listener questions, Matt. If you have a money question you want Matt and I to tackle, we'd love to hear it. It's super easy to get that question our way. Just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. Basically, you're just recording a voice memo on your phone, sending it to us via email, and hopefully we'll take it on the next Ask HTM episode. And Matt, let's get to this first uh, this first listener question. This one comes from a listener, and her family just experienced an unexpected income loss.
2: Hi Matt and Joel, my name is Emma Lang and I live in Stony Point, New York. I've been tuning into your podcast for a few months now and I wanted to share my current situation for your insights. I work in the field of environmental technology and co-own a startup focused on sustainable solutions. My partner has generously funded the entire venture from inception. Now we've began meeting with VCs for round two funding to launch a marketing campaign and propel the company into revenue generation. Once we secure a partnership, I'll be able to draw a salary from my company, but there's no way for me to predict exactly when that will happen. My spouse, previously employed as a software engineer, is currently job hunting. Before diving into entrepreneurship, my annual income ranged from 120 to 200K, similar to my husband's earnings. We acquired a house a few years back when job security was higher and our financial landscape has since shifted. With a $400,000 mortgage and an additional $200,000 HELOC in New York, where foreclosure is a prolonged process, we're not facing eviction immediately, but I aim to avoid it altogether, especially since we have two children. My husband is actively seeking new employment, but the uncertainty has left me grappling with chronic anxiety. We have approximately 100K in savings, and we both have credit scores of 750 to 800. So I'm exploring creative ways to utilize our savings safely, specifically to address our HELOC. Any guidance you can provide me with would be greatly appreciated and I look forward to listening to your response on the podcast. Thank you.
0: All right, Emma, thank you so much for sending your question in. And first off, we're so sorry about the anxiety that you're you're feeling. It seems like as we're listening to your question, you shared a bunch of details and a bunch of facts about your situation, but it sounded like it got real when you're talking about how this is impacting you from an emotional standpoint. Yeah. And that seems to be maybe what's at the core of your your question here. Yeah, we but, know
1: that to be true, Matt, from yeah. so many years of doing this, that it's, yeah, the a, a, a terrible financial situation or being kind of behind the eight ball, it just leads to all these other problems in your life. and it's often it's the way that it messes with your psyche that can be the hardest part to overcome. Exactly, yeah. And wanted to address too, in your case, you've got a startup here that
0: you've been a part of. Uh, They can be risky, but there's also potentially a really great reward waiting for you after years of hard work. I think that's one of the reasons why people tend to take that risk, right? To pursue something that they're passionate about, certainly, yeah. But then also to have the potential for outsized gains Mm. is awesome. And in a situation like yours where with like you've got a husband and it makes sense to have a a partner or a spouse with a traditional job when you have some of these, some of this financial uncertainty and when you're for might be lying ahead. When you're
1: foregoing a paycheck for potentially
0: yeah. multiple years, it's like the steady paycheck is helpful. And it sounds like that was your situation, but then he lost his job. It's something that you can't predict. But I just wanted to say that I wouldn't beat myself up if I were you, because you didn't, it's not like you went out and made a like a boneheaded decision. And in, in particular, you had a significant amount of savings set aside yeah. as well. And so the fact that you were in that position where you had that financial margin, you had that emergency fund on hand made it sound like that is exactly maybe the steps. <laughs> That's what I would have done yeah. if
1: I was interested in uh, pursuing a, a startup like yeah. you are. But just because you made the right choice on the front end doesn't mean difficult, unpredictable things can't happen. And so I guess it's important to note that raking yourself over the coals uh, for this and and making it seem like trying to kind of Throw yourself under the bus, which I think can sometimes like there's like a psychological aspect to that, too, Matt, where it feels like you're making progress. But the reality is you're not. And it's not helpful to moving forward, like with kind of the fact current facts on the ground. And it sounds like this is at least hopefully a temporary hurdle, right? Your husband is looking for a job. You at some point are going to start drawing a salary. So I would say let's hope that one or both happen sooner rather than later. And I get why the HELOC is on your radar. You mentioned that, especially as interest rates have risen, right? Paying off HELOC debt is way more important now than it was just two years ago when your HELOC is sitting there at three and a quarter or something like that. You're like, ah, not that big of a deal. I can just pay as agreed. But right now, like if if your HELOC rate is up in the sevens, it certainly feels like you got to make progress on it more quickly. But the one thing you've got going for you right now, Emma, is your strong cash position. And I just would encourage you not to do anything to jeopardize that, especially given kind of the contours of your situation. I would be making the minimum payments on your debt obligations, including that HELOC. And that wouldn't be our normal device. Normally, we would want you to be like I said, like that should be a debt that you're more keen to pay off more quickly. Probably a top priority, yeah, in her life. But these aren't normal times that you're experiencing mm-hmm. here. And the truth is, the whole reason you set aside a big chunk of money is for unexpected hardships like you're experiencing. So, using that, leaning on that, and not uh, expending it too quickly, even in debt payoff service, is wise. I think for this current. Place where you find yourself.
0: Yeah, what's interesting, it, it is curious that she seems to be focusing on the HELOC, but in reality, that is not, like in our minds, that isn't the focus. And I think it can be difficult. It certainly is difficult financially, but I think for her, it could potentially be difficult from like a mental standpoint or from an emotional standpoint, because she might be saying to herself, well, I always like pay all my debts, like above and beyond. Of course, I'm going to eliminate sure. this as quickly as possible. Uh, and so it can be difficult to like there's a sense of identity that's tied up with that, right? Where yeah. it's just like, well, I never make late payments uh, or I never carry a balance. Well, but we don't want case, her to make late payments, but we not yeah. late payments. Yeah, I guess even when it comes to like credit card debt, right? So like the way someone might use a credit card they might say, well, I use it to gain some of the different benefits and some of the different rewards. And while that's the case, when you find yourself in a situation like this, you don't necessarily want to get rid of all that liquidity in order to make sure that you are up to date when it comes to your, your payments. Yeah, every I mean, month.
1: ultimately, eventually, in, in the hopefully not too distant future, having no HELOC debt is a great goal. But in the here and now, funneling more money in that direction could le- leave you in a worse to financial position. Exactly, even more hardship. Yeah, that, the, the
0: fact that that cash is there, like you've got 100 k basically, in the bank, and it is there to help you to get through the unknown number of months that this difficult situation might persist. And as a way to stretch each single dollar, this is a great time, honestly, to create and to implement a bare-bones budget. Um, and I know it can be tough to cut back, especially if that means changing things up for the kiddos. Like not signing up for soccer yeah. or different different activities, like
1: three hundred bucks a semester or something like that, and you might have to say, "Listen, for right now, yeah. soccer's out the window." Yeah.
0: So just keep in mind that that might be necessary in order to keep in order to maintain more stability at home. You might need to start making some of these smaller changes uh, a little more proactively. And we'll actually link to an article all about bare bones budgets in the show notes for this episode. But essentially, what we're talking about here is like maybe not eating out for a while. It means like canceling some of your your streaming services. Vacations, new clothes, or at least money that you were setting aside for those off in the future. We're gonna set that on the back burner. Mm-hmm. So basically, whatever isn't completely necessary needs to be uh, eradicated. It kind of makes me think of—I don't even know if computers still do this today, but like back in the Windows era, or <laughs> back when I used to have a PC, like if something was wrong with your computer, it would like boot up in safe mode, uh-huh. where it would allow you to do a few of the critical functions that the computer needed to do but it eliminated all the fancy graphics and things it was very pixelated i can't remember yeah. exactly how it looked but i just remember it not working like, like it's other things to. were off limits yeah exactly like a more modern day example is like if your phone is on low battery and it's like would you like to switch to low low battery low power mode or whatever yeah. and it's like okay it's going to dim the brightness of the screen it's going to turn off some of your location services all so that you can at the very least make a call or make a text for someone to come pick you up if you're stranded. <laughs> use your phone for the
1: most urgent potential it's, tasks.
0: Exactly. Not like to use your flashlight because <laughs> you
1: just want to see something. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's a, I think that's a really good analogy. And so, so I, I get like the bare bones budget is something that we want most people or, or all of our listeners really to have thought out and then hopefully not have to implement. But Emma's in the position where it's time to... is. It, hopefully, you've already got it in hand. If you don't, it's time to create one and then implement it. Mm-hmm. And it's not because we're trying to kill your fun. That's not what this is about. It's actually really there to put you in a position of control, which will hopefully reduce your anxiety levels. Like, actually taking action, making some progress, and kind of harnessing that budget in a way that's going to help extend the life of the savings that you have is going to put you in a position where y- you're making progress, right? You're making strides. Yeah.
0: Just like a low battery mode on your phone extends the life of your battery
1: until you're able to plug it in. Exactly. (laughs) And so instead of letting those activities, the current expenses dictate where you're headed, you're putting the reins back in your hands. And no one ever wants to put the bare bones budget in motion. But it's there for emergencies like this. Like nobody's like bare bones budget. That sounds like fun. Let's do that in perpetuity. That's not the goal of it. It really is to get you through a trying time like you're currently in. And it can really slow the bleeding enough to make a massive emergency feel far less threatening. And so we think that's going to be the case for you. It's all about surviving right now until your husband gets a job or you start getting paid. And then like, let's say your husband lands a job three weeks from now. Well, you can dial back on the bare bones budget. It doesn't have to be there for the next two years. Exactly. Like
0: you can, in my mind, immediately revert back to your normal spending yeah. once you've got that job lined up. But the fact is... And then you
1: can start to prioritize the HELOC too. Yes, like, exactly. Right now? Now's yeah. not the time.
0: Exactly, yeah. Well, yeah. Once you're both getting paid, you can start to make that HELOC a, a really high priority. Funneling, large amounts of money towards it every single month. And that's when you'll be able to like replenish some of the cash that you also use during this emergency situation as well. But just remember, like you've done a great job saving money, and the goal right now is just to stretch each single dollar until you've got an income Ideally, multiple income spigots turned back on in your life, and I know that's not easy. But yeah, focus on what it is that you can you can control right now. We think that you've got this, and I'm also glad to hear that you, you said your husband is he's actively searching for a job, and you've got multiple months worth of living expenses set aside. But it's also worth keeping in mind that at a certain point, he might be needing to take a job that isn't necessarily the best job for his career. All right. No. Like maybe it's. Oh, man, this is actually I'm taking a pay cut by taking this job versus the job I, I used to have with a key word here is that he used to have that job. (laughs) He don't have that job anymore. It's not like we're moving from one job where you're currently employed to another one that might be better. And If you need income, sometimes you have to, those trade-offs are required. Yeah. At a certain point, you got to start making some hard decisions. And not not only for him, but also I think for you, it sounds like you are really passionate and excited about the startup. It sounds like y'all are making serious progress, but at a certain point, you have to weigh the pros and the cons and think, okay, is this worth instability at home. What does this mean for my family? What does this mean for the kids? And it's not even black or white, right? Maybe it even means, hey, is there any way I can be less involved in the startup, still maintain maybe some sort of equity position, but that it frees up my time to be able to go back to earning, she said, like 120 to 200K a a year. I mean, that's an incredible salary with a typical nine to five with a a W-2 job that you left behind. So the ability to, to go back to something like that, just keep that in mind as well. At a certain point, Hopefully you won't get to this point, but at a certain point you might have to make some of those yeah. tough
1: tough decisions every, every like founder story you read Matt it seems like there were there was at least one, if not like 10 pivot points where things were the the finances were hitting the fan right Mm -hmm. and so like I don't know I'm like reading Sam Walton's autobiography right now the guy who started Walmart and I'm like so fascinated by these moments in time where everything is, is like hanging on the edge and things almost completely fall apart and so if you're passionate about what you do if you like know and are incredibly skilled at the thing you're trying to develop, and you you see light at the end of the tunnel, it's really tough to give up on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you want to do whatever it takes to kind of get through this time. And so I think that's what the bare-bones budget can be, and I think you're right. At some point, her spouse might have to take, like, what a job that pays less than that is ideal or maybe it's not on the career trajectory he was hoping for in order to help make ends meet from a month-to-month perspective if you want to keep this dream alive because there could be a lot of just personal reward and then a lot of also financial reward at the end of the day from this startup taking off so yeah it doesn't um, necessarily
0: have to be a career building resume building job that he takes right sometimes it means just like okay we're done with unemployment. Uh, yeah. Like, how can we start earning some money and to start mean,
1: stymieing the bleeding? He's stuck there for years to come, either. Right. You can take that job and then and then keep looking, uh, keep networking, and find something six months, eight months, a year down the road that maybe is more in line with what you were wanting uh, in that initial job service That's right. Yeah. So Emma,
0: we yeah, we hope that gets you pointed in the in the right direction. Even though we didn't directly address your question, hopefully we were able to get you thinking about this in a way that's hopefully a little more helpful. But Joel, we've got more to get to, including we're going to talk about making bi-weekly payments on a mortgage. We'll get to that plus more
1: right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. Honeymoons. Your honeymoon actually got derailed, didn't it? It did. You're supposed to go to Jamaica. A hurricane. Hurricane. Took it out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So at my honeymoon, I had a free place to stay thanks to my boss. So that was kind of nice. That really cut down on the cost. But we've got a listener who's wondering, well, can I use credit cards actually to help curb the cost of my honeymoon?
0: Hey, Matt and Joel. Thanks for all the great financial advice you give. I'm getting married next summer and had a few questions on how to best use credit card rewards for a honeymoon. For a little background, my partner and I both have 800-plus credit scores, are both in Money Gear 7, and currently have a 2% cashback credit card. Our wedding has been properly budgeted for, and we are doing the reception at a restaurant, which will be about $20,000. We would both be willing to take out one new credit card each to pay for the wedding and take advantage of rewards for flights, hotels, or just cashback. Annual fees are fine, as we would likely cancel the card after one year. I've looked at your credit card tool, and it seems that maybe the Chase Sapphire Preferred or the Capital One Venture cards would be best. But would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks so much. All right, Dennis. Congrats on the upcoming wedding. We're pumped for you. And by the way, I think he said a like a twenty thousand uh, dollar cost. Which I will say was specifically for the reception at a restaurant. So if that's the bulk of the cost, that's actually a little better than average. I think the yeah. the average today is thirty five thousand dollars. So if you're getting married somewhere, let's say at a park, and it's virtually free, and then dropping twenty k at a restaurant, which sounds like never an
1: amount of money that I want to
0: spend <laughs> at, a, <laughs> at a restaurant. But big picture, that's actually pretty dang good. I'm so. kind of of
1: two minds of this because I think like you want to save money on the wedding, but at the same time. It's like this, it can be this super massive fun party. Um, Oh, yeah. You don't have to spend an arm and a leg in order to have the massively fun party with your friends and family, though. So that kind of balance, I think, makes sense when you're approaching a wedding. You also don't want to, like, underspend, not invite people that you would have liked to have there uh, in an attempt to save a few bucks, because that's a really memorable day. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we
0: are glad to hear, though, that you've gotten familiar with the credit card tool. This is an easy way to see what credit cards make the most sense for you. And by the way, the cards that you mentioned, they're truly two of the best travel cards for most people to consider. You've got the uh, the Capital One Venture X Card. You've got the Chase Sapphire Preferred. They both offer the most robust rewards. They offer the best secondary benefits
1: for just the the min- minimal annual fee. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned secondary benefits. We should just mention like what does that mean? Well, lots of times it means like zero percent foreign transaction fees. Mm-hmm. That, that's one of those that actually a lot of cards have now. But like for primary s- car rental insurance. Yeah, that's the another, Chase Sapphire f- Preferred, especially
0: if you're looking at a whole lot of a whole lot of travel where you're not just relaxing on the beach, but actually
1: traveling around, which yep. requires you renting a vehicle. Especially if you're traveling to Europe or something like that Mm -hmm. and not having to... I mean, that adds up, really, the insurance that you pay directly to the rental car company. You can... Decline it with uh, with peace of mind knowing yeah. that you booked it. With decline the client is taking
0: the risk knowing that there's a were something to happen that you're going to be covering that with your own with your own policy. But yeah. um, Capital One, the Venture X, and the Chase Sapphire, Chase Sapphire Preferred both have that primary rental. Uh, but then that being said, for everyone else, like please check out the rundown there. Like head over to uh, HowToMoney.com forward slash credit card tool, and you can see what each of these cards offer. Uh, what some of the different cards, some of the different you can narrow it down as well by the different airline say you're looking to score points with if you want one of those airline specific cards exactly yeah and so these and the sign-up bonuses they're typically neck and neck on these two as well both have similar redemption portals that are fairly user friendly you really honestly you really can't go wrong with either one of these some of a lot of it i think kind of comes down to personal preference
1: yeah and i like how dennis is kind of he's saying oh we're going to do a single card each of us that this is kind of how we're going to skin the cat and it sounds like you're trying to keep it simple and not get too far over your, over your skis, which is wise. I think some people, they hear about like using credit cards to get points so they can travel for free or cheap, and and sometimes people overdo it, Matt. <laughs> they mm-hmm. they sign up for four at a time, they don't meet the spending threshold, and so they, they, they fall short, maybe, of being able to get some of the bonus miles or points that they can get, and they also find that their spending gets out of hand, maybe, in an attempt to get as many sign-up bonuses as possible. So, I would say, yes, keep it managed in the beginning that is the best way to start and you can always add complexity to your travel hacking down the road you can like at some point um, in the future when you feel like you you know what you're doing, you can maybe open two credit cards at the same time, working towards those spends because you know what you know what bills are upcoming in your life, yeah. and you know you're going to easily be able to meet that threshold without like spending extra that you wouldn't have otherwise done because yeah. that that's the way you're shooting yourself in the foot. And a lot of people end up shooting themselves in the foot is by spending more than they should in an attempt to maximize credit card benefits. Yeah, I
0: think wading into those waters makes a whole lot of sense, especially considering he mentioned how it sounds like he's coming from a two percent cashback background. Yeah. Basically, he's got a single card. It always pays 2%. It's a solid place to start. But then the ability to add that complexity over time as you get used to it and know what's uh, how
1: it works, basically. Yeah, and I think this also allows you to experiment, Dennis, like with, with both of these cards maybe and mm-hmm. see which platform you preferred because if you're opening one, your significant other is opening one as well. Maybe you open the Chase Sapphire Preferred and your soon-to-be spouse opens up the Capital One Venture X. That's right. And you're racking up points. Um, in Left and right. <laughs> yeah, Well, and I think another, another uh, important thing to mention is is that not to add each other as an authorized user on your own card because in the future if you do want to open up a second card Well, you can flip-flop, you know, and you open the Chase Sapphire Preferred. Well, next you open up the Capital One Venture X and vice versa. And that is what's going to allow you to maximize the sign-up bonuses, maximize those points earnings. But when you add each other as an authorized user, you forego the ability to do that.
0: Yeah, there is benefit, but it's a minimal benefit that you receive. It's like the difference between, I don't know, like 100,000 points versus 10,000 points. (laughs) Because it's like, yeah, they're always touting like, hey, add an authorized user. And there is a benefit. It's just not nearly as much were your partner to go out and get the card themselves. Yep. That being said, we're, we're talking about keeping things simple. However, an, another card or strategy worth considering is the Southwest
1: Companion Pass that we've talked about here on the show. Uh, Especially, flights. I mean, if Southwest flies to the airport oh, yeah. that's closest Absolutely. to you, right? If that's easy and they're flying to well, most airfare, of the destinations you want to go? Yeah, airfare is
0: it's the, oftentimes the major expense when it comes to traveling and when it comes to going on a honeymoon mm-hmm. and getting a Southwest card and jumping through some of the hoops in order to snag, to score that Companion Pass. That can be the best bang for your buck from a new credit card perspective. And the cool thing is, once you get the companion pass, not only are we talking about booking that honeymoon flight with points that you've earned and a free flight for your companion, but you can then do the same on your other upcoming trips for the rest of the year and then next year as well. The way the companion works is companion pass works is the year in which you get it you not only get free travel for the rest of that year but also the following year it's kind of the the gift that keeps on giving and we've got an article up on the site that explains how it is that you can most quickly earn that companion pass and by the way too i want to make an argument for southwest because i think there might be some folks who hear us talking about southwest and they're like boo you can't go anywhere cool with southwest that's not the case <laughs> not true you can the entire caribbean basically King is Coon, baby. Can, Hawaii. Can, Cancun. You can go to Jamaica. Speaking of Jamaica, you can go to Jamaica. You can go to like Aruba. You can go to the, the Cayman Islands. Yeah, there are a lot of great Which is
1: where I have most of my bank accounts. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> um, But there's, there's just a lot of cool places that you can go, a lot of warm places. Uh, and here's another part of it, too. I'm going to continue to make an argument for flying southwest because you might be saying, well, no, we want to go to Europe. We want to do the European honeymoon vacation thing. Well, something to keep in mind uh, is that I don't know how much you and your soon-to-be spouse have traveled together, but I feel like there's a learning curve when it comes to learning how it, figuring out how it is that the other person likes to travel, and I think it can make a lot of sense to figure that out on the cheap. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. maybe, like, say, and I'm speaking from personal experience because, like, when Kate and I traveled early on. Like, we we would have a lot of fun, but I don't know. I feel like it was several trips in before we felt like we would really get into the groove of knowing, oh, we w- want to make sure we always stay at least two nights anywhere we stay if we're traveling around Europe. We or,
1: always play disc golf wherever we go.
0: <laughs> you, you and your wife? <laughs> no, like, literally, what activities do we want to participate in? Like, these are all good things to learn. So, why not learn those on the cheap, maybe while you're yeah. traveling domestically, as opposed to a really expensive. Uh, initial education in yeah. how the other person likes to travel, and so, I don't want to. All like, that being said, I, th- I think there are a lot of great options yeah. w- w- with and Southwest.
1: I don't, don't want to like oversell Southwest, but um, Southwest it, they make it pretty easy to redeem those points, and it, it's it's like less of an endeavor <laughs> like it is with some of the other airlines. And sometimes they have really amazing sales, like when mm-hmm. when Emily and I were booking flights for our uh, anniversary trip to New York City the they have the southwest had a 40% off sale even when if using it, points which i feel like they do that every, like two or three times a year yeah. they do that 40% so off if you amass those sale. points and mm-hmm. you've got the companion pass and you're using those points to book travel and then your 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 spouse is flying free on top of that you're basically getting a ton of free flights just by going with the companion pass way so i guess it's just it's an underrated way to utilize credit cards to travel hack like the chase sapphire preferred and the capital one venture x get all the love all the glory and for good reason they are two of the best travel credit cards out there in existence like you honed in on the top two yeah the other one though that gets not nearly as much attention is going the southwest route
0: yeah exactly don't sleep on the southwest companion pass and dennis don't feel like that you have to nail this perfectly uh, but even to just snag a free flight or a few nights a free awesome hotel is going to be a It's going to make a big difference when it comes to reducing the overall cost of that honeymoon. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it could be the beginning of you doing even more travel hacking to save money in the future. But uh, we wish you the best. Happy honeymooning, Joel. We've got another question to get to. This is from a listener who has a new condo. But what's the best way of making those mortgage payments? Hi, Matt and Joel. My name is Alexis. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm in Seattle, Washington. My wife and I just closed on our first condo. So I've got a question about mortgage payments. We have the option to set up bi-weekly payments, which I know would give us two extra mortgage payments per year. If we were planning on staying in this condo for the length of the loan, which is a 30-year fixed rate that we hope to be able to refinance at some point in the near future, I understand the difference this would make in paying the loan off faster and with less interest. However, given the fact that we almost certainly won't live here for the full 30 years, does this change the cost-benefit calculation at all, or is it still a good idea to make those extra payments if we can swing it?
1: Thanks. Oh, Matt, this is a great question. Alexis, thank you for for sending this one our way. Because this is, if you have a mortgage and you've taken one out recently, the dynamics have shifted um, about when or how you pay your mortgage off. Those 3% mortgages, Matt, they were so sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are a relic of a bygone era, at least at this point. Those super low rates are gone. And so for so long, our advice was like, don't pay off your mortgage early, because if you have a 3% rate, unless you are one of those hyper debt-averse people and you can't sleep at night because you have a mortgage, it was like, no, no, just let it linger, because there are better things to do with your money, but the calculus looks different if your rate is in that 7% range, what the average rate on a new mortgage now has gone down a little bit, but it's still in that six and a half percent range. Still a lot higher. Yeah. If you do have a rate that high, definitely
0: keep an eye on the market, like you mentioned, because refinancing it can make a lot of sense if rates come down, like many folks are predicting. And if you're going to prepay your mortgage, those biweekly payments are just about the best way to do it. It's amazing how taking that route, making just one extra full payment will knock off something like six years off the life of the loan. It's a yeah. pretty sweet reward. Decades down the road. And I'll say that the, the bi weekly payments, so you're basically making a payment every two weeks. I
1: love it. Which is, then becomes the equivalent of essentially 13 payments a year instead of 12, which is what reduces. Or bi weekly, 26 yeah. payments. So yeah. extra extra couple of payments. So the reason I love it so much is the fact that
0: oftentimes folks who have a W 2 job, they are also on a bi weekly payment schedule. Mm-hmm. They're getting paid every other Friday, which means that that payment that extra paycheck that they receive kind of lines up <laughs> perfectly with an extra True. payment towards a mortgage and I love that because oftentimes when folks receive that extra payment it just it gets absorbed into their monthly budget and it's not necessarily put to use it gets fr- like frittered away almost in, into just like their, expendable, mm-hmm. just their expenses that, that month. Whereas now, it's like, man, you have given it a task. You have assigned it to something that's going to lead to more money for you, uh, higher net worth down Ka- the road. Kind of like how
1: people use their tax return <laughs> money. It's like, yeah. oh, this is free money. I didn't have a plan for this. And wait, I'm getting a $3,500 $3, refund this year. And it often gets frittered away, too, Matt, because it is this... Like, it's a great way to make a whole lot of progress at one time if you use it properly. But so many people don't use it that way. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, you know, just uh, prevents them from making more progress th- than they otherwise could. Totally. And let's talk about timeline for a second. And that's really the heart of Alexis's question. The truth is the average American takes out a 30-year mortgage, but doesn't come anywhere close to getting to the end of it. The average length of homeownership, it has like gone up a little bit in recent years, but it's something like eight years in total that, that people who buy a house stay in that house. So if you don't plan to be in that condo for 30 years, your question is, does it even make sense to make more mortgage payoff a priority or should you be doing other thing uh, other things with that money i would say it can like it can make sense because let's say you opt to accelerate that mortgage pay payoff and you sell 12 years from now before you get that mortgage fully paid off so you're staying there maybe a little bit longer than the average american but you're not staying there the full life of the loan was that extra payoff was all the extra money you threw towards that mortgage was it all for naught? the answer is no because at the closing table you owe the bank a whole lot less than you would have if you had paid your mortgage as agreed. By accelerating that payoff, that means you get a bigger check cut to you when you make the sale. And so, you know, that means then more money to funnel into that next real estate purchase if that's a route you opt to take. But it is certainly not wasted just because yeah. you didn't own the home for the full life of the loan. You still made a lot of extra progress. You still owe less on that mortgage, which means you have more equity, which means you have more financial flexibility, whether it's uh, through savings, whether it's through investing, or whether it's through paying off your mortgage early any of those avenues you take are going to put you on better financial footing.
0: Exactly, yeah. So bottom line, if you don't end up staying there for 30 years, you're not flushing that money down the toilet. (laughs) And you mentioned refinancing. If you just decide to do that at some point, you're now refinancing a smaller loan balance, which is awesome as well. So there's definitely not a downside to taking the the biweekly payment approach. Uh, But the only other thing we'd want you and your wife to consider, Alexis, is whether or not there are going to be more productive places to put that money. Again, this isn't as easy considering you've got a large larger mortgage interest rate, and we totally understand wanting to take the bird in hand approach, the known quantity of paying off that debt with an perhaps uncomfortable interest rate attached. But if paying off that mortgage more quickly means that you're going to be missing out on, let's say, a 401k match, well, that's when this is a bad idea. But if you are already making big strides on the tax advantage retirement accounts front, well, this is a way to maybe balance your scales a little bit by paying off some debt, and a lot of it comes down to what lights you up, what maybe gets you the most excited. Because on one hand, do you, you really love the idea of paying less every single month for your housing? If so, then shoot, maybe paying off a mortgage sooner than later is the best route for you to take. If you like the idea of investing more, more of your dollars, then well, shoot, maybe it makes sense to keep that mortgage around, you actually didn't state your specific interest rate. And so, so much of it kind of comes down to what you feel the most comfortable with. Yeah. Because you're kind of right in that zone. I'm guessing, I don't know, maybe you're in that 6% range somewhere within there. Where any higher than that, we would probably say, yeah, you'd most definitely probably want to eliminate that as quickly as possible. So in 8%,
1: it, it changes the yeah, yeah, if, if it's 8%, it.
0: certainly higher than that. Yes, get rid of, pay as much down on that mortgage as possible. But honestly, if it was in like the 4s or 5s, like I... I probably wouldn't prioritize. And I say fours because that's, I mean, literally, I've got a mortgage in uh, the 4% range. And I'm not, I'm definitely not paying that thing off uh, early. And so some of it comes down to what it is that you are most excited about. Like I think one of those or the other is gonna make you happier as you think about what to do yep. with uh,
1: additional money that you've got. I, I think it's a good point. I think the plan that you're most likely to follow through on because it most excites you is probably gonna be best for you. This is kind of a, a can't-lose situation, I think. Yep, Because um, exactly. if you stick a little more in your 401k or your Roth IRA, or you pay down your six plus percent mortgage rate debt more quickly, Honestly, you can't lose either way. So, um, yeah, I love where your head's at, Alexis. Best of luck as you move forward. Curious to hear how you proceed, what action you decide to take. Feel free to reach out to us and let us know. Now we've got a couple more questions to get to, including one about buying a drastically discounted electric car from a rental car company. Does that make sense? We'll talk about that and more right after this. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using PolicyGenius. Head to PolicyGenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's PolicyGenius.com.
0: All right, we're back from the break. and We'll talk about Hertz car rentals here in a minute, but let's take our Facebook question of the week. And Joel, this one is from Scott, and he says, hey, how do money peeps? Just wondering what the consensus is on the best way to save money for my two young children, is a 529 the best option? Can it only be used for higher education? Any and all feedback is greatly appreciated, and I'm sure there's an episode on this, but I haven't listened in a while since my commute is not nearly as long as it used to be. <laughs> Scott, first off, I'll just say congrats on the shorter commute <laughs> because the I would say the best part of a long commute is being able to listen to a bunch of awesome podcasts or, or audiobooks. Joel, over the weekend, I started listening to The Martian. Oh. Did I talk about Project Hill Mary? You, you've told me it was uh, Andy Weir. Fantastic. I would say if you are interested in sci-fi, start with The Martian because okay. Project Hail Mary is so good. The Martian <laughs> is good, not as not nearly as good. But the ability to yeah, enjoy some of that audio Listening, some of that—that's <laughs> the best part about a long road it's, trip. Yeah, it's sure. great. But even still, I would take a, a short commute <laughs> Same. if given the choice. Uh, and we've talked about all the different ways that reducing your commute time is actually beneficial. Including, there was a recent study that found that a person with a one-hour commute has to earn forty percent more money in order to be satisfied with life as someone who walks to the office. And then I think it was a Swedish study that found that folks who endure more than a forty-five-minute commute were evidently. more likely to divorce? So, Scott, I'm not sure um, <laughs> your situation, but I think going for the shorter commute, that's probably, <laughs> it's going to be a win-win uh,
1: scenario. Even if it means a little less how of money in your life. Yeah, yep, <laughs> exactly. I think so. I think so. It's going to keep your marriage intact. It's going to keep you happier. Uh, let's talk about 529 plans, though, Matt, and the best options to save money for your kids. We've actually got an in-depth article on the site that we'll link to in the show notes if you're kind of figuring out, trying to figure out well, what's the best way to save for my offspring. But 529 plans, they have always been a solid option to help you save and invest for your for college costs for your children. But like you alluded to uh, Scott back in the day, they could only be used for higher education purposes. If your kid didn't go to college, that 529 plan wasn't nearly as useful as you hoped it would be. And that left a lot of people in the lurch. Well, we've talked about this before many times on the show now, but they're even better. Now 529 plans are thanks to the secure act 2.0 and the increased flexibility that that law change allowed to 529 plans we, uh, we really do like 529 plans a lot more than we used to because of this singular change that allows unspent 529 plan dollars to be put into a Roth IRA for your kids. Up to $35,000 which is impressive. So make sure you know the details like the 15 year rule and the 5 year rule. Basically the account has to have been open for 15 years and you can't uh, funnel money from the 529 into the Roth if it was put in just over the last 5. But 529 plans can be one of the best choices to help your kids save for his or her future not just for his or her college but really for their retirement and so matt i know when i saw that that kind of new loophole about 529 plans i was thrilled it made me way more inclined to stick more of my investment dollars in that direction because i think it's going to help give my kids a leg up on on investing for their future yeah that's right assuming they don't use all that money to to pay for college yeah
0: Uh, but another option
1: too, uh
0: scott is to don't forget to help your child fund a Roth IRA directly. This is something you can do. You can do this directly with money that you've been saving in your own high-yield savings account. The catch, though, is you can't do this until they uh, actually have a job. They need to have earned income. Uh, But let's say they start working at age 14 or 15. Well, that's a great way to help them to save. uh, And it's a great way, way for you to teach them about investing at the same time. And I would also try to like maybe incentivize them. It's like, it's like, Hey, in the, because in this way, it, it kind of mirrors reality, but it's like, Hey, for every dollar you stick in, I'll also stick in a dollar as well. Obviously not exceeding the amount that they actually earned that year. Uh, and so just simple, basic Roth IRAs. Don't forget about those yeah. accounts. We don't often talk about here on the show or UGMA or UTMA accounts. That's uniform gift or uniform transfer to minors act. Uh, but those are another way to go. And The reason we don't talk about those is because
1: there are other superior accounts that make a whole lot more sense to us. the ones we just talked about, like the 529 (laughs) uh, and then the 529 to Roth and then the Roth Direct, like there are better ways to to go about getting money into your kids' hands. Yeah, but that being said, I love that you're trying to think about how to help
0: those kiddos to succeed financially. But then, also don't forget to model the right behavior. Don't forget to include them in some of these different money discussions that you might be having Uh, because I think that helps just as much as the the actual dollars that you set aside for them. You know, it's, it's the old teaching a kid, teaching a man how to fish versus giving them, them a fish, you saving those those dollars and setting the putting them aside for them, that gives them the fish, yeah. but you want to also be able to teach them how to go out there and catch their own fish. And I think
1: sometimes mm-hmm. when you're of this kind of mindset and you might be hyper frugal, hyper intentional about... Investing, you may be more analytical uh, on the analytical side of things.
0: You're focusing on the numbers. Yeah.
1: Yep. And you might, as opposed to behavior, you might actually be doing a great job at saving, the, uh, helping them save for their future. But if you're not simultaneously teaching them, are they going to be able to continue those habits? Um, and and so that's really something you want to pay attention to. I'm glad you brought Post that up. Deaf, yeah. All right, we had a, 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 a one final listener question we want to get to. This one came actually in email form this past week. Listener Mauricio, he sent us an article with the question, frugal or cheap. It was a basic email, but the the article was her. Hertz is selling its fleet of rental Tesla Model 3s for cheap. And Matt, I was like, curious to hear your take on this uh, because it's true. We like, you, you dig in, it's the, there's been a number of stories written about this at this point, and the uh, price point on some of these used Teslas being sold from Hertz. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, so Hertz, they're selling,
0: basically they're selling off a bunch of the Teslas that they purchased, basically one third of their EVs in total, uh, including 2021 Tesla models for less than $21,000. Wow. And so this is just another sign that EV adoption and EV demand is slowing a
1: bit. By the way, we like EVs, so yeah. we're not, we're not like cheering this because we think EVs are awesome. I drove one for 6 years, but it is interesting to see that maybe production outpaced demand for the but time being.
0: Bottom line, if you're in the market for a used EV, this really might be the sale that you're looking for and I think it's at least worth doing some browsing at like CarMax, Carvana, AutoTrader and seeing if these prices are significantly better. Uh, but from so this uh, the article, did you say where it was from? This from Jalopnik. Uh, but from what they found and everything we've seen that this discount is pretty yeah. dang incredible. Yeah,
1: I looked up prices on Carvana and CarMax. And the, these prices from Hertz were a whole lot better than what I was seeing at kind of at, at those places. And the truth is, Matt, because of the four thousand dollar tax credit that's available for used EV purchases, that's another like check mark in the box of like, hey, this might make a whole lot of sense for people. We're talking about buying one of these used Teslas for potentially in the seventeen thousand dollar range. So what do you think? Frugal or cheap? I, so I'm gonna say it's frugal, I think. Yeah. And and I guess like the another thing to talk about here is a lot of people are worried about buying Uh, a used rental car like hey maybe this thing has been used and abused kind of like you know it's it's alluded to in movies and television shows all the time there's the Seinfeld episode where they don't keep his reservation or whatever and he's like oh I'm gonna use this rental car now you know like and, and that's that's kind of how I think a lot of people perceive it but I don't know when I drive a rental car I'm not driving it any differently and the thing is a lot of these rental car companies have a pretty strict maintenance schedule so I'm probably taken care, care of better
0: than a lot of the vehicles out there on the yeah. road because it's literally their job yeah. to, ma- to maintain these vehicles. <laughs> I trust I
1: trust Hertz to do the oil change more than I do my neighbor to do their oil change <laughs> if I'm buying the car from them. So I don't know. I, I guess if the price is that superior, I would still get it checked out. <laughs> I would still make sure That's what it comes the down car too. is in good condition. Yeah. I wouldn't change any of the tactics that I would use when it comes to buying a car, and I wouldn't just trust Hertz. Hertz or any rental car company implicitly, but I will say, man, the price point is pretty compelling um, on on some of these used electric vehicles that they're selling off. And if you're in the market and you want to pay as little as possible, and you know you're driving a lot, and you're going to save a ton on on gas costs because you just make you finally make the EV upgrade, this could be the I- exact way to go about it. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah,
0: I would. So I have no qualms with buying a vehicle from a car that that used to be a rental or used to be part of a rental fleet because mm-hmm. that's. Literally Exactly what we did. <laughs> it's the one vehicle that we have. It's a 2012 Honda Odyssey, and it used to be part of a, I don't know what rental it was with, but down in Florida, it's, if you look at the Carfax on it, like that's where it was, and it was, a, it was a part of a fleet. And so for me, the reassurance came because of the fact that I was buying it from Carvana and they've got that seven-day return window. So yeah. I knew I could drive it around. I could try it out. Even though I had purchased it sight unseen, I got, set, I got a whole week to drive that bad boy around to go take it to a dealer or not a dealer, a mechanic that only works on Hondas and Acuras. And during that period of time, I was able to find that, oh, actually, this is something that's going to need to be repaired. And guess what? Carvana paid for that repair to take place. Um, and so, so, so much of it comes down to the ability to A, get it checked out ahead of time. And then B, if you aren't able to, what's the return policy? Mm-hmm. I say Carvana's got seven days. CarMax, is it 30, 30 days? 30. You have an entire month
1: yeah. to see if this car is going to work out for you. Uh, we almost bought our our van via CarMax. I finally was able to find one locally via Auto Trader, but I literally had one shipped from Nashville via CarMax for 99 bucks. I just lost 99 bucks because then I found something better locally. Boom. But yeah, I, and part of the compelling reason to shop there, even though the prices can be a little more elevated, which is why I wanted to buy locally, is because of that 30-day return yeah. window. It's, and I felt incredible. really comfortable knowing, like, cool, if it gets here, and this car van isn't in the shape that it looks like it's it's purported to be online I can always just be like "Eh, cool I'm turning it back in not interested anymore exactly yeah and so uh, okay one last thing
0: I think there might be some folks who are thinking well that's just our traditional combustion gasoline powered engine boys what about the fact that these are EVs And I did a little bit of research, and it turns out that superchargers, like we all think that superchargers degrade batteries, but evidently there is zero statistical relevance to the fact that supercharging degrades batteries. Really? Yes. Okay, I'm shocked. Yeah, that. This is, so this is this is fairly new research. Yeah, I would,
1: I would have spouted that ignorant. <laughs> I, well, I yeah.
0: think I always felt the same way too because it's like a nice slow trickle yeah. as opposed to zapping it with the supercharger. You do want to avoid supercharging it if you're all the way down to zero and you don't want to supercharge it and like have it sit above 90%, like all the way up to 100 mm-hmm. because evidently that degrades the battery. But bottom line, there's been we've got over a decade's worth of research now from Tesla, from Teslas that have been on the road, and there is like some s- small differences, but it's, it goes back and forth as to whether or not supercharging actually comes out ahead versus it, it um, degrading the battery. Hmm. And so, yes, my natural instinct is that like, oh yeah, but you wouldn't want to get an EV that was part of a fleet because they're they're probably likely always supercharging those bad boys. But bottom line, even if they were, it doesn't seem, seem like it really matters all that Interesting.
2: much.
1: Interesting, yeah. yeah. So all right, so uh, basically, Mauricio, he's like, hey, is this real? cheap matt i said it's frugal frugal. Frugal, baby all the way (laughs) all right yeah so it's funny because i think if you'd asked me five years ago too oh what about buying uh a car from a rental car company how would you feel about that and i think until i did the research and looked into how these how these companies take care of their cars i would have said oh that sounds like a bad idea but the more you look into it you're like wait a second Probably not. Like it, they're not. I'd still rather buy probably from the grandma down the street who drives six thousand miles in a year uh, than a rental car company. But I, I don't think it's a bad idea, and it's not nearly as dumb as it might appear on the surface. Exactly.
0: It's it's more of like an emotional barrier versus yeah.
1: anything else. Because sure. guess
0: what? That grandma that drives six thousand a year might only change her oil once every three
1: years. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> that's not <laughs> something that you necessarily want. I want the receipts, grandma. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let me look in the dash. What you got? How can you get that oil change? Prove it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt. Let's uh, get back to the beer we had on this episode this one's called nelson it's by piedmont brewery it's actually we actually picked these up in person in november uh, it's we haven't gotten around to drinking them until now, but this was a. Hey,
0: too many other beers to get to. <laughs> yeah, this is a
1: brewery down in Macon, Georgia that we randomly
0: stumbled upon. Wait, did we share the fact that we got these beers after we went and saw Disney on Ice with uh, listener Adrian? Did I we? Think, I think we did mention that. Did yeah. we give her a shout out? Yeah. Okay. So
1: she was kind enough to reach out and offer both of our families tickets to come see her and her husband. She and listens to the show. The rest of the crew performed. That was so cool. It was super fun. Uh, our kids had a blast. I had a blast too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so we went to this awesome brewery the afterwards. afterwards. Yeah. And the food was great. The beers were great. What are your thoughts on this beer?
0: This one in particular, man. Yeah. So this is a Nelson. This is an IPA for the best boy. Is <laughs> the little tagline. It's got, I guess, it's like got man's best friend. A nice golden song. golden retriever on yeah. there. It's super cute. But this dude, this is such a great beer. I think, and we've kind of mentioned this on recent episodes. Uh, but the Nelson hop totally has it going on. It's got My like fav. it's got the green hoppy funkiness. I don't. Not even funky, but it's. It's a bit more dank than some of the other hops, less bitter, less pithy, so it's got less of that grapefruit West Coast hop profile going on and it's more just, it's like an all American IPA. Yeah. I don't know how else to describe it. It's really stinking good.
1: All right, so nice well, and
0: bright as well.
1: Yeah. I remember having it on draft at the brewery and we were like literally sitting there on the essentially making town square and it was you know back before Christmas all the lights were up mm-hmm. on the square it was a beautiful setting and this beer tastes just as good in the can it a month really and, and a half later as it did on draft so, I think
0: we were a little nervous because we kind of sat on this one for a little bit yeah. and then a lot of times with IPAs the
1: fresher the better when yep. it comes to the flavor but this one it's yeah, it's still, still putting holds out up. and I, again I was like this is small town Georgia kind of like and, and, oh yeah it's uh, not a big town no <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but this brewery popping out some great stuff worthy worthy of some of like the, the arrival to rival some of the bigger city beers for sure yeah. so so, yeah. yeah,
0: craft beers come a long way where you can just stumble upon
1: just a random brewery yeah. in a small town and have some really tasty stuff. It's true. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Again, if you have a money question you want Matt and I to tackle, we'd love to hear it. Just go to howtomoney.com slash ask for the simple instructions to submit your question for an upcoming episode. And, of course, if you have not signed up for the How to Money newsletter, what are you doing? Please sign up at howtomoney.com newsletter. It is free. It is encouraging and hopefully incredibly helpful every single week, every Tuesday morning coming into your inbox. But Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out.